Welcome to the Marie Menu Cherry Show, where energy and medicine meet. I will be your host for the next hour. I have over 19 years of healthcare experience and began my career as an energy medicine practitioner while working as an oncology nurse at a Seattle area hospital. My skill in moving energy combined with my medical background have been a catalyst for change in many people's lives. I hope the next hour will be transformative for you as well. Hello and welcome to the Marie Manu Cherry Show. We're live here in gorgeous Seattle where we're having a mild winter and enjoying gorgeous blue skies. We hope that wherever you are in the world that you are safe and warm or cool if it's hot where you live. We hope that you're comfortable and happy as we continue on our adventure of knowing ourselves more and understanding the relationship between energy and medicine and health and well-being. As you know, uh, many times on the show, I get the pleasure of interviewing people who I believe are on the leading edge of thought. Today is one of those days. Um, We are going to have in the studio from North Carolina, so he's going to be on the phone, um, the author of Mindfulness Meditation Made Simple, Charles A. Francis. Um, Charles is a co-founder and director of the Mindfulness Meditation Institute. He has studied the practice of mindfulness with Zen master Thich Nhat Hanh for over 18 years. He's worked to help people find inner peace through mindfulness. He has published numerous articles and is the author of the new book, Mindfulness at the Workplace, How Organizations Are Using Mindfulness to Lower Healthcare Costs and Increase Productivity. Welcome to the show, Charles. Hi, Marie. Thank you for having me on. Yes, thank you. And thanks for staying warm in your lovely hometown where it's a little cold right now. Yeah, it is. (laughs) But we're okay. Yay, good. We're really glad. And we hope that cold front moves quickly through and... Um, that everyone in the area begins to experience in spring, because it's beautiful in that part of the world during spring. Oh, yeah, absolutely, especially the mountains. Ah, stunning, stunning. So I'm enjoying reading your book very much. In fact, I'm going to encourage our listeners to go out and buy this book right away. I, I think it's it has so much beautiful truth in it and wonderful exercises. I'm really impressed, so thank you so much for bringing this to the world. Oh, you're welcome. I, I wanted to bring something that was practical uh, for the readers, something that they can begin to implement right away and show them just step-by-step how to practice mindfulness meditation. Uh, and you did a great job, by the way. Um, you, you write in the book about how you had some challenges with meditating um, yourself. You interviewed a lot of people. You read a lot of books about it. Um, but it was kind of challenging for you. And so you understand how it is for most of the people in the world, especially American culture, but throughout the world, where it's very difficult to shut off the brain and become quiet and become present and move inward. And so through your studies, you were able to help develop methods that have been effective for hundreds of thousands of people. Yeah. Well, like you said, I I did have quite a difficult time in the beginning learning how to meditate. This was back in the 90s when there were very few books that explained the practice very well. And so after I finished reading a book, I was left with, what do I do now? I mean, it all sounds great, but how do I practice it? And the other thing that became apparent to me after several years, was that there were many different forms of meditation, and everybody was doing something different. So that's why each time I asked somebody for advice, I got a different answer. For example, there's guided guided imagery, there's contemplative meditation, there's Zen meditation, there's relaxation meditation. So they're all different forms of meditation. 
So now what I teach students is to pick one form of meditation and stick with it and learn that one real well because that way you'll get a foundation and you'll get an understanding of what meditation is all about. And then after, if you find that that doesn't suit you so well, uh, you, you have at least a foundation for looking, for evaluating other forms and choose one that suits you better and then right. follow that one diligently. Well, because and- if you keep bouncing around, then you're just not going to get much of anywhere. And I think that's what most people do because they get frustrated. And, you know, they're sitting on the couch, you know, they fall asleep or, you know, and then they Oh, fall, yeah, that was right? a problem that I had, <laughs> right. falling asleep. <laughs> right. And they always say, well, you're still going to get the same results, but that's not necessarily true because you're getting a nap, which is probably what we all need <laughs> in the American um, culture. So do you actually get to hang out with um, Thich Nhat Hanh? Well, I attended his retreats uh, several years ago, back in the 90s, and that's where I did most of my studying with him. Uh, now he, he spends most of his time in France, and, and sadly right now he's, he's been very ill. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah. So, you know, we all need to, you know, send him, him some in our love. Thoughts. Right. So when I was reading the book, and, and there's so much that we can discuss about it, because it's so beautiful, in between the techniques and the ideas of how a person could center, um, you have such beautiful spiritual knowledge. And I'm a big fan of practicality. I think humans are too busy to really, you know, adjust into some sort of etheric information. They really need practical, you know, kind of grassroots things to get moving so they can move quick and fast and, and allow it to adjust in their day. And this is exactly right. what the book provides. And so, yeah. oh, go ahead. Well, well that, that, that was my main motivation for writing the book is to, to present what seems to be a complicated practice in a, in a more practical, using a practical approach. That's why I developed the 12 steps. So people can just take baby steps through the practice. And, of course, the exercises help them put into practice the techniques and understand the principles behind the practice. Right. And meditation, of course, has been around for a really, really, really long time. It's one of the ways that, as an individual, we can reach a d- deeper sense of ourself, you know, become more successful, more self-reliant, more intuitive. And what you write about really beautifully is that um, we re- release our suffering, which is the backbone to all of our problems in our lives. And you talk in great detail about this, which I've found fascinating. Yeah, well, that was the original intent of the Buddha uh, in presenting us with this practice was that his goal was to find freedom from suffering. And all different cultures have their own way of finding happiness. And here in the West, you know, we generally seek happiness through sensual pleasure, through pleasing our senses, our eyesight, our hearing, our sense of taste, touch. All these things, you know, bring us temporary pleasure. Like shopping. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> the, the key word being temporary. Right. All these pleasures, they're short-lived. We, we also do things to gratify our emotions, but our emotions are fleeting. Mm-hmm. So what the Buddha's approach was to search for a different place for something more stable. So he, he realized that if we just eliminate the sources of our suffering, 
then what we're left with is just pure peace. And we don't have to continuously keep seeking, keep seeking uh, sensual pleasure. Because I think at our very core, it's more natural for us to be at peace. The problem is, is that we're constantly doing things to create our suffering. Right. And, and I and think... That, oh, I'm sorry. Go right ahead, Charles. Well, and, and that's where the, the mindfulness comes in, where we become aware of the things that we do and the impact that they have on ourselves, our physical well-being, our mental and emotional well-being. So by developing mindfulness, we can make better decisions on how to, how to behave, and also how to think, you know, how to see the world with greater clarity, because a lot of our suffering stems from our, the way we see things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For example, if we, if somebody makes a rude comment to us, you know, we generally tend to think that that's, we take it personal. We think that it's directed to us personally, when in fact it may have nothing to do with us. You know, they may have they may be having a bad day or something. They, they may be got some bad news that they're struggling with. So when we see with greater clarity, it, it doesn't trigger those emotional responses so much that cause a lot of our suffering. I think what's hard for Americans is that a lot of times when we think of the word suffering, we think of things that are really outside of our experience, like for most Americans, like having war in one's country and you know, extreme poverty and famine and things of that nature. And so sometimes I don't think we recognize that we suffer too. You know, it has to be this huge, gigantic thing that's labeled suffering. But in reality, it, just our daily events, if if we don't have the right view, as you pointed out, or if we aren't mindful, then we suffer. And, you know, you made some examples in here, like, you know, how do you feel when you're stuck in traffic or when someone follows you too close behind? It, right. You know, that is a form of suffering. You start getting anxious. Your adrenal levels increase. Your cortisol levels increase. Your heart rate increases. You know, your whole body is having a physiological reaction, which, of course, is going to fog the mind and, and then come up with all these perceptions that are probably not even related to the experience that you're having in that, in that particular moment. Right. So what we do is we, we, have a, we build an undercurrent of suffering, of uh, tension and agitation and we we come to accept that as normal uh, so we don't really see how much we suffer until our suffering is gone and that's what's great about the the mindfulness meditation practice is you know we, we reach we reach a, a deeper level of, of inner peace and serenity that we've never experienced before and then it becomes apparent you know just how much suffering we had in our lives so it, it, it's really amazing when that happens. It, it's, it's literally a spiritual awakening. Right, exactly. And this is what consciousness is all about. And, of course, here in the West, you know, a lot of you write in here about how we cling to attachments. And, and that is, of course, incredible suffering. You know, when we stay in relationships for long periods of time that are not serving anyone. You write that as an example as well. Um, mm-hmm. You also write about you know, working in environments that aren't fulfilling or joyful to an individual. Again, an attachment and how hard that is on our psyche and our body, our emotions. Our, there's no happiness. And this is really preventing the human race from evolving. Right. 
Well, I, I think the main reason we cling to things, we get attached to them, is because we view those things as the source of our happiness, like our jobs, our relationships, our, our accomplishments, and so forth. We view these things as a source of our happiness. So we don't want to let them go. We want to get our lives just perfect. We want to have the, the, be- the beautiful partner, family, career, and we want those things to stay with us for the rest of our lives. But the problem is, is that everything is impermanent. Everything will one day slip away. Our good health will slip away. Our, our families, you know, members, some of them will move away when our children grow up. Uh, you know, we're going to get older. You know, our health is going to be so great. So it's an illusion to try and get things just perfectly and expect them to stay that way because they're going to change. Mm-hmm. So and with mindfulness meditation, our approach is very much different. We, we First of all, we accept that everything is impermanent and everything is going to change. And... We're, we become more at peace with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we just truly begin to accept it. And, and once we do, and when we start searching for uh, inner peace instead of just happiness, uh, then we'll find more personal fulfillment. Right. And this inner peace comes from quieting our thoughts and our minds so we can gain new perceptions and realizations and really let that co-creative process become a part of our awareness. Exactly. Right. It, it, like you said, it, it's a process, and it, it takes a little time to develop uh, mindfulness, but it doesn't take as long as you might think. I, yeah, I agree. In fact, we're going to take a break here in just a moment, and when we come back, I want to talk about some of your techniques. I actually tried one yesterday. Uh, I was so happy that it worked so incredibly well. So today I'm having the pleasure of interviewing Charles Francis. He's the author of Mindful Meditation, Mindfulness Meditation Made Simple, Your Guide to Finding True Inner Peace. We'll be right back. Manifesting dreams into reality is meant to be exciting and easy. When the tools you use stop working, a lack of self-worth is most likely holding you back. Marie's Affirm Your Worth cards are the perfect solution to increase self-appreciation while magnetizing your dreams into reality in a nurturing and fun way. Order your Affirm Your Worth cards today online at energyintuitive.com or call 425-485-8813. That's 425-485-8813. 8813. Alternative Talk 1150. We're on your radio at 1150 AM. We're on your HD radio at 98.9 Channel 3. So many ways to listen. We're on the web at 1150kknw.com. Streaming live audio and video as well as MP3 archives of many of our shows. So many ways to listen. And now... We're on your smartphone or tablet. Download our free app in the Apple App Store or Google Play and take Alternative Talk 1150 anywhere you go. So many ways to listen. Would you like to be a Reiki master? 
Join Marie at the Redmond Hyatt, September 25th through the 27th of 2015. This two-and-a-half-day transformative workshop is open to people at all levels of energy medicine healing knowledge. Completing the course will certify you as a Reiki 1, 2, and 3 practitioner. This is truly a transformative weekend. Enrollment is limited, therefore registration is required. For more information about the Reiki Master Workshop at the Redmond Hyatt in Redmond, Washington, visit energyintuitive.com. Driving has a rhythm all its own. Don't wreck it with a text. Before you get behind the wheel, silence your phone. Or better yet, designate a texter. For more text-free driving tips, visit stoptextstoprex.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. Lewis and Clark would be proud. We're exploring new territory on the air every day right here on Alternative Talk, 1150 AM. Oh, I love that song. Welcome back to the Marie Menu Cherry Show. We're live here in Seattle, and I'm having the pleasure of speaking to Charles A. Francis, the author of Mindfulness Meditation Made Simple. Um, Charles has a master's degree in public administration from Syracuse University with a focus on healthcare management and policy. He has worked for the North Carolina State Senate in writing legislation to address childhood obesity and improve government efficiency. His background in accounting and business management has served as CEO and ITC on International Telecommunications Company. Welcome back to the show. Well, thank you. I'm glad to be here with you today. Yeah, it's great to have you. So, you know, uh, even though I have kind of a Zen job in many, many ways, I don't meditate often. How I got into my career was through meditation, by the way, because mm-hmm. um, I had a lot of physical stress, but I had to join groups because meditating on my own is just not super easy. And so I don't do it very often. I always make excuses that I'm in this meditative state all day, which is not true. But um, so I tried one of your techniques and I was so impressed. Uh, you have several of them in the book. And um, the one that I tried last night was where as you're breathing, you're also putting numbers in your mind, like one through five. And I, it was fascinating because you your mind focuses on the number, which then allows you to then feel your body so that you can get in that wonderful Zen place. It, it was just amazing. Yeah. Well, the counting technique, it helps us develop concentration, which is one of, the, of our two tools of observation. In order for us to be able to develop mindfulness to see the world with greater clarity, we need to learn how to observe it because very often it's hard for us to see reality, see what's going on around us because our attention is so scattered. We're constantly being distracted by things that are going on around us and inside our head. So it's difficult for us to truly pay attention. So what the counting does is it helps us focus, helps us, develop our ability to concentrate. Now, once we're able to concentrate, to keep our attention on something, then we can, with mindfulness, which is the other tool of observation, with mindfulness, we can look deeper into whatever it is we want to observe and understand it better. Because very often, we just 
look at the, just the surface of whatever it is we want to observe. So when we're meditating, we use the counting technique to help us, our attention stay grounded, first of all, in the present moment. But it also helps keep us from getting distracted so easily. Right. And, and um, it, it also helps uh, keep us from falling asleep. That, that's one thing I really <laughs> liked about it. Right. Because that, that was the biggest problem that I had when learning how to meditate. And no, nobody really taught me how to deal with that. Right. Well, and you talk in the book how initially your basically your introduction to meditation was sitting on a park bench. It was something you did daily, I believe, is what you wrote, and how that was it was so helpful for you for a really long period of time. But then you graduated from the bench or the the stimulation, I guess, of the park, and you needed to go deeper inside to gain higher levels of awareness. And that's when you began your quest for you know, for meditating. And, and I think that's what people do is they go, well, I'm, I'm on a walk, which of course is, those are all beautiful meditative experiences, but there's something different when you really go deep into your own being, you know, separate of everything else or really fully engaged with everything else. I mean, there's multiple ways you could experience it or look at it. Yeah. Um, before I, I started meditating, in fact, you know, I, I never really heard of meditation much up until then, you know, I found intuitively that if I would go to the park and just sit there quietly and just allow my mind to rest uh, from all the, the stimulation from work, um, at the time I was doing accounting, and when you work at a job like that, that's very intensive mentally, it you get so wound up and it's really hard to quiet it down. So I would routinely go to the park and just sit there quietly. But as I as I kept on practicing, practicing spirituality, I found myself reaching up a plateau. And I needed to do something more in order to get beyond that. Because really, my from a very early age, I've always had the desire to to grow spiritually. And I was never satisfied with just reaching a certain level and staying there, which sadly is what a lot of people do. You know, they find a certain level of happiness. They, you know, many of them acquire the material things and the relationships and so forth that they want, and they find some level of happiness, and they stop pursuing a deeper level of inner peace where I took a different approach. You know, I, I didn't follow the traditional career or, or family route um, that most people do. My main goal was to keep growing spiritually, keep growing as an individual. So that's when I started exploring meditation, and that's when I came across uh, Thich Nhat Hanh. Mm, nice. He was going to be in town uh, that that year, and I made a point to go to his retreat in, in Key West. At the time, I was living in Miami. So I, I've always had the desire to keep growing, and I saw the meditation as the vehicle for attaining a higher level of spirituality. It's beautiful. 
So we have a couple callers, and I'm, I'm wondering if we can use some mindfulness techniques to help them with their questions. So who do we have, Benny? We'll start things off with Catherine calling in from Seattle. Catherine, welcome to the Marie Manu Cherry Show. Hello. Hi, Catherine. How are you? Yeah. Hi. Yeah, I was calling about um, the saying goes, feel the fear and do it anyway. But I tend to feel the fear and procrastinate. So if there's anything about mindfulness and staying in the flow and keep moving in the motion of what you're going towards. Yeah. Well, what, the great thing about mindfulness meditation is it helps stabilize our emotions. Usually when I meditate, the very next day, uh, I, I see myself a lot more calm, if I'm anxious about something that's going on in my life, a lot of that anxiety just just melts away. It just disappears uh, because one of the things that mindfulness does is it helps helps us see things realistically. And fear is usually based on unrealistic thinking. We think of the worst case scenario and and how bad that would be if if that materialized. And very often, the worst case scenario isn't as bad as we think it is. We think it's going to end our lives or something like that, but it, but it isn't. So through mindfulness meditation, it really helps us develop the inner strength to do things that we're, we're afraid of. Mm-hmm. To give an example, for, for me, when I was young, I was so shy that I, I had a hard time talking to people one-on-one. I couldn't put two sentences together. Now I'm speaking, giving speeches, I'm, I'm doing workshops, and I'm even speaking on the radio. And all that anxiety just is gone. So the, the mindfulness meditation practice is really that powerful. It really helps calm your emotions, calm your fears, and help you see things more realistically. Does that help you? Yes, great. Thank you. Yeah, you're you know, welcome. You know, I think this, uh, the fear that we sense, um, like you so beautifully said, it, it's really not even related to that moment that we're having uh, like we think it is. So if we get into that space where we can get out of the fear and, and go inside, then we can see what it's really related to if there is a true relationship, which could be something that happened even in childhood that has nothing to do with the, the current moment. You know, I think that knowledge can be very freeing as well. Oh, yes, and that's exactly what the mindfulness meditation practice also does. It helps us see the, the true nature of the circumstances that led to a lot of our suffering when we were young. Mm-hmm. Uh, very often we blame people for doing things to hurt us, and what we don't realize is that usually these people were suffering deeply themselves, right. or they grew up, in that kind of environment where uh, there was a lot of suffering uh, inflicted upon them. So they grew up thinking that that was normal. So they don't see anything wrong with their behavior. Um, and it's really sad, you know, because you think of a child growing up in a, in a, uh, a difficult environment like that, but those children, they grow up to be adults. Uh, well, at least physically, but not emotionally. 
Right. So they uh, perpetuate the suffering. Right. So when we can see that there were children suffering, then it's easier for us to forgive them mm-hmm. and let go of our own pain. Does that make sense, Catherine, in terms of what's going on with you? Uh, yes. Yeah. yeah. Do, you, do you see anything with certain chakras or anything <laughs> yeah. I need to work on? <laughs> your well, yeah, there there is a leak at the back of your second chakra, which has a lot to do with, for most people, um, not saying no, like overcompromising, giving too much, you know, not really knowing what they want themselves. Um, but I do think there's a big childhood thing, you know, this fear of rejection or not being loved. Um, and it sounds like, you know, using this technique, then you can go down into your body and look at things a little bit differently and have a new perception. Because as soon as you gain a new perception about something, then everything changes. That's one of the beautiful things about self-healing is everything changes when you see the situation or events differently. Great. Okay. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Have a great day. Uh, so is is that something that, um, you know, this whole perception, because that's what we're looking for in that mindfulness, right? We're looking for another way to see the world around us or how things were occurring. Because as you pointed out, that suffering is basically an illusion, what we felt was something that was suffering wasn't even true at all. Right. Well, like you were saying, our suffering stems from our, our perceptions of the world. But the problem is, if we don't see the world clearly, then our perceptions are going to be off. And very often they're way off. Mm-hmm. I remember when I was young and I, and I first started on a spiritual path, I, I had a mentor and you know, I would talk to him, you know, about things that were going on in my life. And, of course, I always blamed everybody else for them, for, for all my problems. And, you know, right away, he, he, he would stop me. You know, after about uh, 30 seconds of listening to my whining and tell me how he saw it. And it was completely different. And I, I, would, just, I would just be stunned, you know, because... Wow. It really helped change the way I saw things. You know, when I was young, I was very self-centered. Everything was about me. But not everything was about me. People weren't out to personally attack me. They were just out to, they were just as self-centered as I was. You know, they were out for themselves. So, right. you know, <laughs> you know, once we start to see the world from, uh, less from our ego and more from a, a we perspective. We're all in this world together. We're all a part of each other. We're all interconnected. Then we see how our happiness or our inner peace and our suffering are interconnected. Um, in the book, you talk about the five hindrances, uh, the thieves of your spiritual growth. Um, sensual desires, aversion, lethargy, agitation, and doubt. And so why don't we start with number five, doubt. Because I think that's a, I think some people also even doubt, does meditation actually work? Um, which I believe it it absolutely does. If you can get into a practice of it, and which is what this book is here to help people with, you know, understand the principles behind meditation and the spiritual conquest that can occur, you know, individual great um you know, affirmations that can occur from it, but that it actually can shift your biochemistry in your body, your vibration, your frequency, 
Um, so this the doubt part, um, how do you address that? Well, that usually resolves itself by engaging in the practice. Um, you know, I usually tell people to start off, you know, with baby steps. You know, don't try and start meditating an hour a day yeah. every day because <laughs> you, you're not you're not going to last. You're going to give up. You're going to something's going to come up in your life that needs your attention, and then you get off your routine. And then the next day, it's just as easy to get off your routine. So I think to overcome the doubt, you really have to give yourself a chance to see the results from your effort. So like 15 minutes? Yeah, like 15 minutes Mm -hmm. a day or every other day even. Great. Uh, Love that. Yeah, you'll you'll see immediate benefits. Wow. When you start to see that and consistently, then you'll start gaining more confidence in the practice. And the the other thing that I suggest, and I I dedicate pretty much a chapter to it, is uh, keeping a meditation journal, Mm -hmm. at at least in the beginning, because this helps you track your progress. It helps you establish goals and see if you're achieving your meditation goals. But it also helps you see how much you're growing. Because with, with a spiritual awakening or with the development of mindfulness, the changes come, seem to come naturally. We don't really see them. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, unless we look back and see, you know, wow, I'm a lot more calm today than I was uh, a couple weeks ago or a month ago. Right. And, and but- I'm not getting so tense in, in, at the grocery store anymore, at the checkout line. That is such a great point because it, it is so soft and kind of subtle that you may not think that you're actually getting progress or the progress isn't, you know, very big. But if you write it down, then you're going to be, uh, oh, my gosh, you know, this is really working. This is actually helping. I spent less at the grocery store, you know, and I bought less sugar. Um, than, <laughs> well, you know, because if your body is calm and relaxed and you feel good about yourself, then you're not going into all these other desires that we're trying to fill ourselves up because we feel so empty. You know, there's exactly um, a big report that was done about meditation transforming some of the roughest San, Fr- San Francisco schools. And now there are several schools in the area that meditate twice a day for 20 minutes, which is kind of amazing I mean, to get middle school kids to um, stop everything. <laughs> Why they might be hearing bullets in the background, by the way, d- depending on wow. the neighborhood that they're in. And that... Um, there's been an increase in uh, attendance. I think it's 98% of increased attendance, and their academic scores have rised exponentially in um, the schools that are actually participating in meditating twice a day. Um, oh, yeah, and I've seen where the studies where they've found uh, less behavioral problem, problems. Right. And, and, and some of these, they were... Um, younger children, like in, you know, second or third grade, that they were practicing mindfulness, you know, just quieting down and, you know, just finding children a lot more calm and a lot easier to, to manage. And, and the teachers also found a significant benefit in themselves in, in dealing with the children. Right. I, actually, my sister and I were talking about that yesterday, about how the teachers must feel so good, you know, that 
their children that they're spending time with every day are excelling and they're happier and everyone's more relaxed. Um, yeah, so they said in this one particular school, the absentee rates were among the city's highest, um, and so were their suspensions. Teachers were worn down and routinely called in sick. And, and now all of that's changed. In fact, 20% of the graduates are admitted to a very prestigious high school where before that was a rarity. So this whole middle school has completely changed just from a gong being presented twice a day and everyone just stops. <laughs> and, and the school did it out of desperation, actually. They just, someone had brought it to their attention and they decided to give it a try. And the research was shocking to them. So, again, they had to record this research, which is why this journaling that you're speaking about I think is so important. Because if we don't have the research written down, um, then we're not going to be as convinced. And we might give up on it, something that could be incredibly transformative. Right. I, I think when you follow the practice uh, consistently and, and you follow the techniques, you'll see the results. And you'll see them quickly. Wow, I love that quick part. Yeah, well, to give you an example, I, I've done workshops here. I, I used to do a, a workshop at a homeless shelter here in Raleigh, meditation. And it, it's also a alcohol and drug treatment program. So many of these homeless people, they were just coming off the streets and, and detoxing from alcohol and drugs. And I do this meditation session for them. And you can imagine how agitated you know, they must be, you know, withdrawing from drugs and alcohol. But I will lead them through a meditation session. And some of them even have ADD and ADHD. So they said that they could never sit still for more than five minutes. So I would lead them through this meditation session using the counting techniques and and the mindfulness techniques. And I would watch them throughout the whole meditation session. And they were all sitting completely still. And none of the, you know, none of them, you know, hardly ever moved. And, you know, to me, for me personally, that eliminates any doubt as to the effectiveness of the practice. Wow. And and I've had some of them even tell me that they've had a profound spiritual experience during those sessions. What a wonderful, simple compassionate thing that we can do for people who are really struggling in life. And you talk about in the book about creating a spiritual community, creating some, I don't think this is your word, buddies, but meditation buddies um, to help you, you know, get in the zone and to help you stay committed to it. And then going out and teaching it to other people. Yeah. Well, it's one of the things that we realize as, as we awaken spiritually is that we're interconnected. My well-being is connected to the well-being of other people, especially those in close proximity. So it, it becomes my duty, and also you, know, you do it out of compassion. You know, you, you see people, other people suffering at a deeper level, so you want to help them. You want them to find uh, freedom from the suffering just as you have. So it's important for us to, to pass that on to others. And by helping others, we're also helping ourselves. We're helping ourselves stay grounded. And really the, the best way that I've found to learn the practice is by teaching it. Wow. Mm-hmm. Because I've had to formulate, organize the thoughts in my mind 
or put them down on paper. And I really had to gain a deeper understanding so that I can teach it to other people. And it really has helped me the most in understanding it. Wow. So, yeah, it's, you know, we, we need a spiritual community to help us stay stay grounded in the practice and to stay motivated and committed. Wow, it sounds wonderful. I'm having the pleasure of interviewing Charles Francis, who's the author of Mindful Mindfulness Meditation Made Simple, Your Guide to Finding True Inner Peace, and we'll be right back. You got me sipping on something I can't compare to nothing I've ever known. I'm hoping that after this fever I'll survive. I know I'm acting a bit crazy, strung out a little bit hazy. If you want to know how to get in touch with Marie or find out what's on her calendar, there's a variety of ways to do so. You could become Marie's friend on Facebook or even follow her on Twitter. Check out Marie's website. There's tons of new features like Chakra of the Month, a live Twitter feed, and three PDFs with extensive exercises for your chakras. You can also sign up for Marie's free quarterly newsletter and also get your questions answered in her Dear Marie column. Simply email Marie your question, and she will answer it in an upcoming edition. Marie also will be speaking and signing books. Find out if she'll be in your area on her events page at energyintuitive.com. Hi, my name's Travis, and I'm your host of the Create the Life You Want show, airing Saturdays at 1 p.m. Pacific on Alternative Talk 1150. Each week, we will explore our collective experiences and dive deep into all aspects of our being. Every show will provide topics, insight, guidance, and techniques designed to empower your life. I'll be taking calls, answering questions, and using my psychic insight to provide you with opportunities to access your own unique abilities to create abundance in your life right now. It's all about you on the Create the Life You Want show. Join me Saturdays at 1 on Alternative Talk 1150. Today in school, I learned a lot. In chemistry, I learned that no one likes me. In English, I learned that I'm disgusting. And in physics, I learned that I'm a loser. Today in school... I learned that I'm ugly and useless. And in gym, I learned that I'm pathetic and a joke. In history, I learned that I'm trapped. Today in school, I learned that I have no friends. In English, I learned that I make people sick. And at lunch, I learned that I sit on my own because I smell. In chemistry, I learned that no one likes me. In biology, I learned that I'm fat and stupid. And in math, I learned that I'm trash. The only thing I didn't learn in school today... The only thing I didn't learn today... The only thing I didn't learn... is why no one ever helps. Kids witness bullying every day. They want to help, but they don't know how. Teach them how to stop bullying and be more than a bystander at StopBullying.gov. A message from the Ad Council. On Friday, Manson Mitchell welcomed movie critic Scott Mance to handicap the Oscars. And the Oscar goes to... And on Saturday, Shauna Fisher talks to the animals, living or not, and shares insights just like Dr. Doolittle. Then Tommy Amarone and John Bindernagle join us for an hour about Bigfoot. It's feeling squatchy around here, bringing you fascinating talks since 2007. We are Manson Mitchell, Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 on Alternative Talk, AM 1150. Are you looking for tools to enhance your life or to bring those things you desire into your life? Marie offers a variety of CDs to help you do just that. Get acquainted with your seven primary chakras and balance your human energy system. Or is embracing your intuition what you're looking to learn? Or would you rather focus on a healthy immune system? These CDs and more are available through Marie's website at energyintuitive.com. 
For a complete list of CDs available and their descriptions, please visit Marie's website today. Stay informed with news, traffic, and weather at the top of the hour, weekdays on Alternative Talk, 1150 a.m. Let me bring light. And welcome back to Marie Manu Cherry Show. I'm having the pleasure of interviewing Charles Francis, who's author of actually more than one book, um, but this one that I have in my hand, Mindfulness Meditation Made Simple. And you recently have a new book about mindfulness in the workplace. Yeah, that one, uh, it's an e-book. It was a oh, first great. One of the first things I wrote about how to bring mindfulness into the workplace because that's where we have to deal with a lot of stressful situations, a lot of stressful right. people. So right. give some suggestions on how to, how to bring it into the workplace. Sounds fantastic. And if people want to learn more about, um, of course, the ebook and other tools and techniques that you have free on the website, um, I'm not saying the ebook is free, but all these other things, we can go to www.mindfulnessmeditationinstitute.org. And you have tons of tools and techniques. And when we were off air for a little bit, we were talking about how maybe the Seattle people, Washington people, need some mindfulness about the recent loss of the Super Bowl. You know, that there could be an attachment there. In fact, um, my future son-in-law, I heard through my daughter, was replaying the the dreaded moment of the game over so and over bad. again. So <laughs> bad. Why do you have to do that to yourself? That's just torture. I mean, I <laughs> right, right. Why? Right. And so, um, yeah, and of course, even Benny did say that, what did you say about the... Def- well, well, what's nice about the whole Seahawks <laughs> thing is they just owned up to their, if you want to call it a mistake or a bad play or oh, whatever. I mean, that was nice. Where I mean, every person accepted what they did for who they did it for, and it's a team effort. It's not one individual person. True. Where it seemed like some other teams really do throw it back on the other person. They want to be, you know, like you right. know, the innocent party. Or the in- uninflated balls is what you said, right? right? So <laughs> that's basically, yeah, exactly. We didn't have to deal with that. So. Right. Another attachment, right? Yep. So, yes. Yeah, so if you're having a hard time getting over the lost Super Bowl or any other sporting event or any other thing, uh, this would be a wonderful way to see the bigger picture of what's happening in your life and any attachments you might have. Um, (laughs) We think that would be fantastic. So one of the things I wanted to talk about, Charles, is, of course, the writing meditation. And that's something that your foundation um, created itself. This is an original thing that you guys came up with. Uh, Yes, it is. Well, keep in mind that there are other forms of writing meditation that you know you'll find on the internet. But basically, those are more like uh, like journaling. You know, sitting in a quiet space uh, and you know just writing down whatever is coming to your mind. Right. But with our writing meditation, it's completely the opposite. Instead of letting something come out of your mind, you're putting something into your mind. Mm-hmm. And what that does, what we're doing is we're reprogramming our subconscious. And what we've done is we've taken the loving-kindness meditation, which you may have heard of. Right. It's, it's common in Eastern traditions. And basically what they do is they recite or they listen to or they read a set of positive affirmations. Like, for example, may I be loving, kind and compassionate with other people. So instead of reciting them or reading them, what we decided to try was 
what would happen if we write them? Now, I just had myself and a friend try this, and I said, let's do this for, for a couple of weeks and, and see what happens. I, I knew we were going to get some results, but I wasn't prepared to, for what happened. After just a few days, my friend, she came to me, and she said, I am completely different. I'm a completely different person because she was used to, for example, going to the grocery stores and just going in there and not talking to anybody, viewing the whole experience as a nuisance. <laughs> and, you know, you, you sit in the, you stand in the checkout line and, you know, the, the cashier isn't talking to anybody. Nobody else is talking to anybody. So all of a sudden she was going to the grocery store and talking to to strangers there, you know, as she was shopping and then talking to the cashier, you know, having a conversation with the cashier and just, you know, commenting on, you know, what a beautiful name she has or, or what beautiful hair and just admiring different things about the whole experience. And this was somebody, you know, who had been an introvert her whole life. Wow. All of a sudden, within just a matter of days, less than a week, uh, you know, it just completely transformed her. So did she so, write something down in specific to grocery shopping? No, no. All, all it was was the loving kindness meditation. Oh, and, and you and what, write so, it. Oh. Right. So what we do is we copy it by hand. Uh-huh. Uh, just copy the affirmations over and over. Well, there's people can download, download it from our website with the instructions. So you're basically just writing them by hand for about five to ten minutes a day. You don't need a quiet time or a quiet place to do it or any particular time of the day will work. But if you do it in the morning, it will help set the tone for the rest of your day. If you do it in the evening, it will help you sleep better. Wow. So what this does is it literally restructures our neural networks to incorporate all these wholesome principles like love and compassion and understanding so that we find ourselves behaving like this naturally without any conscious effort. And that, that's what's the most amazing thing about it. it and, just, and that's what decreases our suffering too, right? If, if, we're, if we're not thinking that everybody's, you know, unhappy or mad at us or disappointed with us or whatever we're thinking while we're standing in the grocery store line or wherever we are happen to be in our day then our right. suffering is reduced. Oh, absolutely. And, and think of the implications that it has for healing the wounds from our past. Like you were saying before, if we change the way we see things, then our, our attitude about those things will change, and it'll alleviate a lot of the pain and suffering associated with them. Wonderful. That's wonderful. So we were finding that it was really helping us overcome some of the the wounds from our path. Wow. Um, I'd like for us to go ahead. We have um, a caller that's been waiting a long time. And so Very patiently. Have? Very patiently. Mm-hmm. Allison from Texas, welcome to the show. Hello. Hi, Allison. How are you? All right. Um, I guess I have a question about, about relationships. Um, and that is, it seems to me like, and I didn't hear the 12 steps if you mentioned them at the beginning, but 
it seems like people in relationships tend to want to think that the problems are the other person's fault and they don't want to take responsibility for their own part in uh, working on a relationship. Um, and like I said, I didn't hear the 12 steps at the beginning, so I'm not sure how that relates. Okay. Well, the 12 steps that we're talking about are the 12 steps of the mindfulness meditation practice, which I, I developed and I talk about in the, in the book. Uh, now, they're, they're geared for helping us see the world with greater clarity, so therefore alleviating our suffering. Right. And the way it transforms our relationships is we start to see ourselves and our, our own emotions and our own behaviors as how, what they're bringing to a relationship. Uh, very often in difficult relationships, you know, we, we're, we're contributing to the, some of the volatility. We may not be the initial instigator. We may not be the one doing the, the harmful, overtly harmful behavior, but we're, we're part of it. A relationships by nature take more than one person. Right. So yeah. by, de- by developing mindfulness through these 12 steps, we learn how to behave differently. We, we learn how to use uh, techniques like uh, deep listening or mindful speech or learn how to practice forgiveness. And the practice also helps us develop the inner strength to behave in more wholesome ways so that we don't escalate a lot of the, the problems that are, we might be having in our relationships. And it sounds like, Allison, that you are suffering right now. You know, you're having a really hard time. And, and so your perception of whatever's going on probably isn't accurate. And if you can get inward, you, you know, be able to separate from the fear and the anxiety and the sorrow that you're experiencing, or, uh, you know, so that you can create some space and get a, a different perception about what's going on, then you're going to be able to feel comfortable and confident about your next step. But do you know what I'm talking about? Um, yeah, well, I I, um, I have studied um, nonviolent communication a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. It takes a long time to learn it. because sure. um, So, um, <clears throat> you know, if I've been communicating a certain way for 40 years, it takes a while to uh, yeah. change that. Yeah. Um, and and uh, he mentioned mindful speech, so I'm not sure if that's similar to nonviolent communication. Probably it is, you know, like once you get into that space where you ha- you see things differently, you speak differently, which, of course, Charles does talk about in the book. The words that flow from you don't come from a place of fear or, you know, worry, that suffering aspect. It comes from a, a new perception. So you have a, a different volume, a, a different vocabulary. Um, the way we communicate with people becomes clearer, more loving. And the way that you talk to yourself, too, is it changes. So I, I think this would be a fabulous book for you. I think it's... It'd be great for you. Yeah, it, I also <laughs> recommend. I also recommend the writing meditation that we were just talking oh, about. Yeah, that'd be great because that that instantly begins to transform the way we see the world, the way we see other people. And thank so, you, Charles. We're running out of time. I'm so sorry. I wasn't paying attention to the clock very well, and I just want to thank you so much for coming onto the show again. The book is Mindfulness Meditation Made Simple by Charles Francis. Thank you, Charles. Have a gorgeous day. 
in North Carolina. Thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Joyful blessings, everyone. Bye-bye. 